The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. Paralegal exploitation is rife. People come out of law school and they just want to be a part of the legal world. And so, you know, unpaid internships, Mm. you know, they're everywhere. And sometimes they're like six month unpaid internships. In the cleaning sector, it's abhorrent. Somebody was dismissed because uh, when you clean up and they, they leave out fruit and food and conferences, instead of throwing that in the bin, they took home like three pieces of fruit, less than one pound. I'm Kevin Poultry, and in today's podcast, we're joined by Zachary White, a trainee solicitor with law firm Hodge Jones and Allen, and Molly De Dios Fisher from the Union, United Voices of the World. We talked to them both about the short road already taken to establishing union representation through Legal Sector Workers United and how those from across the profession are supporting each other to bring about fair practices and real change. I was especially pleased to hear how members from across the profession are uniting and taking positive action, including strikes as well as publicised picket lines, to join together and stamp out injustice and inequality in our legal workplaces, not just for those who are high earners, but also for the support workers and for those who come in to do our cleaning and administration. The Hearing so, Zach and Molly, thank you for joining us and thank you for welcoming us, Zach, to uh, Hodge Jones and Allen. Yes, thank you for coming all the way over here. Uh, it's um, barely an issue. Um, uh, more of an issue we've just been hearing from Molly, who has travelled by boat, <laughs> bike, plane, uh, foot uh, to be here. Uh, so, thank you. you. But you live, we, just say, we should explain, you live on a boat. I do live in on London. a boat in London, yeah. See, we could have done a whole podcast talking about this. <laughs> uh, but how's, how's that? It's a good experience. It, it's, uh, it's good. Is generally. it the way forward? Uh, um, it depends. <laughs> Each to their own. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you. It, I, it's, not on the, it's not on the horizon just yet. Um, so let's start, actually, with you, Zach, if that's all right. So Hodge Jones and Allen. Now this, having read about you now, and I've known you for a couple of years perhaps, uh, but not as well as I know you now from reading about you, uh, but it seems like a very natural fit in terms of an organisation to work in. Um, tell, explain to us how you came here. So I was a legal clerk, I did my placement year at Hodge Jones and Allen, um, and I was working in the housing team. After that, I went away, I finished my studies, and then I applied back, came back as a paralegal, did two years of paralegaling, um, and then I applied for the training contract as well, and was you know, very lucky to be successful. Um, and then since then, I'm in my second year of my training contract at the moment, and I've sort of enjoyed every minute of it. Um, but then, sort of on the side, I've been involved in this trade union activism. Oh, you've, you've dropped it so soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just segueing straight into it. Well, well, okay, no more about you. Um, we'll come back to that. But okay, so United Voices of the World is what we're talking about. And that's the, I would say, the umbrella union, um, but specifically for legal services. Um, and is this just solicitors? Um, is it just trainees uh, who are um, mistreated? Who does it apply to? Who is it relevant to? So it's relevant to all workers in the legal sector. So United Voice of the World, that's correct, it's sort of like an umbrella union. And then it has a number of groups within it. Legal Sector Workers United affiliated with VBW in April. And what we're looking at is not just solicitors, not just barristers, who we hear a lot about. I think they have the loudest voices. But we're also looking at cleaners, which UVW is famous for organising. Security guards, receptionists, paralegals, 
um, caseworkers of all kinds, um, and then yes, solicitors and barristers as well. And we're just trying to unite all these different types of workers under a common goal um, and present a united front. Um, so to probably if I'm just going to jump into it a little bit more, mm. if that's all right. Well, go. F- this is what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> so we have sort of twin goals. Um, firstly, we're looking at organising workplaces so people have the best working conditions they can possibly have in their workplaces, um, and we're looking at presenting a unified front when you know maybe the next cuts to legal aid occur or that's a when rather than an if. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so next time that there is a cut, then we'll be prepared, hopefully, um, if we've managed to organise ourselves mm. uh, by then. And ultimately, we're also a campaigning union. So on a national scale, we're looking at trying to restore the legal aid budget, and we're exploring lots of different ideas and ways of doing that. For instance, we've sought legal advice from a QC. Um, we've obtained that. And now it's sort of a work in progress as to how to build our strategy in order to take that fight forward. And we've got campaigns that we've set up to. So a couple of campaigns off the top of my head. We've got a paralegals campaign that we've set up where we're inviting all the paralegals within Legal Sector Workers United to um, get involved. So just to be clear, we are a members-led movement. So it all relies on activism and our activists putting in energy to make this happen. So we're gathering our paralegals together and we're saying, you know, what are the demands that we want from our sector? What are the working conditions that what, what's the standard that we mm. want to achieve? Um, and we've compiled that and now we're taking that forward. Um, we've got an insourcing campaign as well, where we're looking at cleaners and security guards okay. in firms, chambers, courtrooms, all these different types of legal workplaces. Mm. Um, we think their conditions will be improved if they're brought in-house rather than outsourced. Um, and so we're sort of making inroads of that as well. Um, another one, uh, recently intermediaries have been joining us. Uh, so intermediaries, people don't really know much about them, but they're just, they're another type of worker within the legal sector. Okay. Um, they sort of operate within courtrooms and police stations, and they ensure that people who maybe don't fully comprehend how the legal process works um, are able to understand it. Okay. And sometimes they sort of communicate on their behalf. So does, does that include sort of litigation friends, that sort of thing, or is it not quite? It's not, they're, they're kind of similar, mm. but um, intermediaries, you can have like registered intermediaries, stuff like that. They're very, like, quite a niche role, I think. Yeah, it's um, not something I've come across before, but yeah, then, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe a different area to what I'm used to working in. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's mostly um, like criminal justice sector. Right. However, you know, I think they, they do operate immigration, stuff like that. Okay. But because we don't hear about them, yeah. we don't really hear the problems that they face. And so there's some mistreatment that they, you know, that they're experiencing. Mm. And you know, as I've been talking to them, I think the best way of, sort of getting their voice out there is through the union. Um, and so more and more of them are joining us. Um, things like, so they get their, their contracts, and then under those contracts where they do a job, essentially, um, you know, they're, they're facing. One of the things that has come up is uh, judicial mistreatment. So a judge may order them, no, you're going to stay for an extra day, and you know, they, they're not getting paid for that. Wow. So things like that. Um, wow. So one of the ideas that came up at our last meeting was, um, well, why don't we set out criteria of how we want to be treated in the courtrooms? Um, so that's the sort of thing that we're getting up to at Legal Sector Workers United. So we'll give Zach a chance to catch his breath. Um, and, and Molly, so what's your involvement? Because you, your background is not in the law directly, is it? 
No. So you've come from a very much from a union point of view. Yeah. So I work at the trade union United Voices of the World. Um, do you want to know a bit more of the trade union about? Tell me all about it. Okay. So um, it. I was think a lot of people won't won't know about it. Well, and they that's should no know criticism about it. of you guys because <laughs> I've seen how prolific you are. Um, but but I, I think it's 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 one of those sectors which is actually difficult to get information across everybody. Um, it's very much based, uh, cut down to sectors or to strands or, or sort of levels of status and, and they're the people that are easier to speak to across those strands. Whereas when you're trying to reach everybody, incredibly difficult. So how, how are you going about that and tell us more about the union? Um, so I'll begin by telling you about the union. So. UVW, United Voice of the World, is a trade union um, that was born in 2014. So it's only it's really five years old, going on to six years. Wow. Um, and it was born um, from uh, working with cleaners, uh, Latin American workers in the cleaning sector. Um, and basically, it was picking up a lot of outsourced workers, workers who are in the worst state, kind of at the bottom of society and taking them forward and yeah, carrying out some incredible organising drives um, and yeah, achieving, meeting the aims. I'm not explaining this very well. It's good, it's good. Well, I, I, I was surprised that a, a new union could even start in the, the way things are at the moment. And uh, I've, so I went away and did some research um, and Incredibly, uh, the number of employees who are trade union members uh, in 2018, I think this was, um, rose. I, I think, uh, which, which is just incredible. Um, but it's, this is two years running now. So have you, presumably you have found that there's a shift back towards becoming a member of a trade union at a time when actually uh, you think more and more people are working for themselves, uh, working in the gig economy, or whatever, without those protections and without that union support even being available. Is that, is that what you're finding? Well, I, I can't really compare because I'm quite young and I've not worked in trade unions before UVW. So I can okay. only say we're a union that's grown every single month since we were born. Um, so now our membership, well, it gets higher and higher. And mm. then we're getting new groups joining, such as legal... Um, uh, sector Workers United, um, which joined as a really exciting group um, just uh, earlier this year. And some of the other sort of strands that you work across, uh, you mentioned cleaners, um, uh, but I think architects is, is one of the other areas that you're working, but sex workers is not what you naturally put as a um, a bedfellow, to use a pun perhaps, uh, with, with, with solicitors or with uh, the legal profession generally. Are there similarities? Is there a crossover between what you've learned working with sex workers through to what you're working with now in the legal services? Well, I think, well, there's several things to unpick here. First of all, <laughs> if you look at the problems that people are facing in the legal sector, you're looking at the cuts, you're looking at how kind of it's a race to the bottom. It's not just happening in the legal sector, it's not just happening with architects or sex workers or cleaners, mm. it's happening everywhere. Everywhere one's competing for cheap contracts to drive prices down, and who pays the cost of that? It's the people it's the who are doing yeah. the work. And that happens across all sectors. So you'll find that, you know, you'll have solicitors uh, who are talking about similar things mm. to cleaners. And of course, you have to appreciate then that it obviously it's very different in each industry, what the exact conditions are, how they've come to be, what the history is, what the history is of trade unions, yeah. what the history is of the working environment. 
um, and also the kind of what needs to be done to change it. Mm. But something that's clear across all of those industries and, well, anywhere really, is that the people who can change it are the people who are doing the work because without those people, then the work doesn't get done. But that doesn't happen with one person. That only happens if it's done collectively. And on that note, I'd invite everybody listening who's a legal worker to join LSW. Oh, that's so soon. (laughs) You've got to get it in there as soon as possible. I'm sure we'll revisit several times. But, but on that point, uh, you, you, you say that, but for example, I'm not sure I could join. Mm. As, a, as a partner in a law firm, I'm, I'm excluded because I'm, I'm the enemy. Is, mm. that, is that fair comment? Um, I wouldn't say that you're necessarily the enemy. That's quite right. Um, in, in, in workplaces, unions are there to provide a voice for workers and provide a safe space so people can articulate those concerns. Um, a good workplace will want to listen to them. And so, no, you definitely, from, I know you well, Kevin, I don't think you're the enemy. (laughs) I think if somebody's sort of struggling in the workplace, uh, you know, I've I've listened to this podcast before, you've had friends on who've struggled with mental health problems. Um, I think a union, there's a place for a union um, supporting those people as well, because that struggle can go on. And, you know, if people aren't able to actually talk about it, then they'll just suffer in silence. Hmm. Whereas... Uh, at LSWU, we've already seen it in a number of workplaces where they're getting organised, they're talking amongst themselves, and then with a unified, unified voice, they're explaining, look, these working hours are too long, or we need mm. more annual leave, mm. or, you know, a big one is sick leave. People don't realise that they should be entitled to more sick leave, or like they should argue for more contractual sick pay. Um, so, definitely not. And, you know, you can still be a big supporter of the union. Um, if with LSWU, um, it's been an interesting obstacle because in the legal profession, there are you know people who are supervised by others on the same sort of level as them. Like mm-hmm. another solicitor will sometimes uh, supervise another solicitor. Um, we want both of them to join the union. Um, I think so. We so with LSWU in particular, we're probably a little bit more relaxed in terms of supervision and that sort of thing. So we'd encourage people who supervise another, and also in chambers, for instance, they have panels of barristers mm. who, you know, interview and then recruit new pupils. We still want them to join as well. Um, I think there's more clear-cut situations whereby you may have firing power and you may be sitting on the other side of the table mm. to the union if there was a disciplinary. Um, that makes sense that you don't join the union. But you know, if you want to contribute a little bit of money to the union, that's absolutely fine for our strike fund. It's <laughs> doing well, isn't it? Uh, and I can see why you're here now. Um, but so t- tell, me, tell me generally, uh, not necessarily numbers, but what the, the makeup of the union is uh, ac- across the legal sector. So is it predominantly paralegals? Is it solicitors? Uh, who, who does, is it cleaners? Who does it fall into? It's really broad, and that's one of the most exciting things about it. We get all sorts of different types of workers. I already mentioned intermediaries, but yeah, paralegals, solicitors, just all types of workers that we didn't really expect to be joining as well. And UBW already has a strong base of cleaners, especially in the legal sector. They've got cleaners at law firms, for instance, but then, you know, just recently the Ministry of Justice, where, you know, we've been going on strike. Maybe you want to pick up from there, Molly. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, it's interesting to say, actually, the first dispute where we won the London Living Wage was in a law firm. Um, And that was interesting conversations that we had when LSWU was setting up to realise that cleaners that fought for better terms and conditions were actually on better terms and conditions than some uh, paralegals. Really? Oh yeah, paralegal exploitation is rife. 
um, you know, people come out of law school and they just want to be a part of the legal world. And so, you know, unpaid internships, mm. you know, they're everywhere. And sometimes they're like six month unpaid internships we've come across. And then like 12K um, pay, annual pay um, mm. for a paralegal role. You're not going to be able to pay rent on that. You're not going to be able to pay rent. Yeah, well, I, I, I remember starting and I won't say how long ago, but um, the, the law site is minimum wage for, for trainees at that time was £12,000 mm. and that's a long time ago and, mm. and particularly in somewhere like London now mm. that's that's an impossible wage yeah. um, so uh, when you when you approach the firm on that basis how, how do you go about approaching them do you approach them as a, um, a potential a friend or do you approach them with a picket line well we're a union that doesn't take any uh, bullshit to be like quite frank like we're not a union that's going to take kind of delays or false promises so the way we do things you have a group of workers that get together want to make a set of demands you make those demands to the employer and you say we want you to respond by x date and say if you agree on principle and agree to meeting whatever if they don't meet that deadline and that's when you start moving towards industrial action and you're in an industrial dispute. But during that whole course of time, nobody wants to strike, no one's looking mm. to strike. You lose wages, it damages relationships, you know, it undermines trust between employers and employees. It's something incredibly hard to do. And you, you look at kind of our Facebook videos and photos, you know, picket lines can be fun and it can be great, but you know, the, the real brutal reality of why you're being mm. forced to do that isn't often reflected. Mm. It is interesting to say in this case of the law firm where was the first place we won the London living wage, that happened on the back of the letter. So within the week, the law firm had agreed to raise it to the London living wage. It seemed a lot more reasonable employer than some of the other <laughs> employers sure. we face, but that will vary across different law firms, I'm sure. Um, but the like Zach was saying, Ministry of Justice um, now, <laughs> they're the uh, how did they're horrible. We've got um, a dispute that's been going on for over a year. Um, it began with cleaners, and what they're asking for is simply London living wage. Mm. A lot of our one of our members at the Ministry of Justice, he works eighty five hours a week just to be able to pay rent and wow. pay for his family. Wow. Um, lots of them have second and third jobs. They're working full time night shifts and then go on to another one in the morning and another one in the afternoon. Mm. Um, simply asking for London living wage. They're asking for sick pay in line with civil servants. Currently, they receive um, statutory sick pay, which is nothing for the first three days, yeah. and then only around £19 a day from then on. So they can't afford to be sick. You've got um, kind of staff that are asking to take holidays in order to have operations or take time off, or generally a lot of people working when ill. Mm. And this is a massive problem within the union. We have so many cases that are related to um, kind of injuries or disabilities that have developed from people not being able to take sick leave. And it's the harsh reality that you either have to choose between paying rent and working sick, or taking a rest and not being able to afford to pay your rent and face the consequences. And, and have you found that there's a difference between the public sector and the private sector on how receptive they are to, to the demands, to the changes that are being requested? It really varies a lot. Public sector is incredibly hard because it's incredibly bureaucratic and 
For example, the Ministry of Justice, the reason why it's one of the worst departments is that not only does it not pay outsource workers London living wage, it doesn't pay a lot of its in-house workers London living wage, whereas most other, a lot of other departments are doing that. Um, so it's a particularly different one because they literally should be raising the salaries of thousands of people. And that's, that's kind of the opposite of what I expected you to say. I expected you to say that they were saying that they were um, restricted by overarching government policy, that they couldn't pay these wages. Not that, at all. But other Not, departments no, are doing it. other departments are doing it. And for example, the Supreme Court used to be in a, um, tied into the same contract as the Ministry of Justice and from what I understand they broke it in order to pay their cleaners the London living wage, but Ministry of Justice didn't. Bays, um, there's just been a dispute with PCS where all the, um, I believe they've all been bought onto London living wage and are receiving sick pay and increased annual leave. Department of Education, Ministry of Defence, you know, all lots of departments are, it's kind of a choice and you've got Boris Johnson who came out and said, oh, everybody across the department should be at least on London living wage, yeah. you know, obviously. It's just that's not filtering kind of, uh, so, yeah, and you talk about public sector, um, and I'm not, I'll tell you about private sector in a second, but public sector, we've also now got a dispute at um, St Mary's Hospital, mm. which is part of the Imperial Healthcare Trust, um, and they're asking for equality, so they're asking to be on the same terms and conditions as NHS staff. Is this the cleaners, or is this This is um, well? cleaners, porters, and caterers. Um, and at the moment, and I'm going to say still at the moment, I'll tell you about a bit of progress, but on minimum wage, you've got people who are on as low as 7.70 an hour because they're under 25 and they're paying the under 25 minimum wage as well, not receiving sick pay, um, a lot of them not having received the vaccinations to work, um, kind of minimum annual leave, and the cases we have that I have never ever like in my years working with the union encountered such a collection the amount of cases and the gravity of the cases and that's taking place in an NHS hospital mm. and what's happening they're outsourcing to the company Sodexo which last year boasted profits of um, a billion euros the CEO is on over 900,000 euros base salary so that's without bonuses and yet the cleaners you know they're not having their wages paid in full it's being deducted and after three days of strike action, they were promised to be given London living wage back pay to the 1st of November from their 15th of November payslip. And surprise, surprise, the company lies again. They open their payslip. It's not there. And a lot of our members and their employees have hours missing. And which, which I think a lot of people will be really surprised to hear. And these things aren't necessarily making still not making front page news are they are they getting traction at all um, what sort of support are the workers getting outside of the union so um, it depends it really varies so in the hospital a lot of the doctors and nurses they're really behind the staff and in a hospital those staff form a really integral part of the service you know nurses depend wholly on the caterers to provide food to patients the porters to move patients around the cleaners to keep the wards clean so they really know the value of their staff and uh, on the whole backing them um, very much and there's an online petition for them which already has over 65,000 signatures but then you've got other places where it's hard it's hard to get the attention because well I guess there's lots of I find it hard to say because personally when 
when you come into contact with those stories and you see mm. the suffering, it's hard to understand how that's taking place. And, you know, one member was making a speech on the picket line saying this is modern day slavery. And, you know, it sounds kind of hyperbolic to someone on the outside and you say, oh, just get on with it, you know. Get, but when you see the realities, it's it, it just doesn't make sense. Mm. It's completely cruel and it makes no sense in the case of the public sector that taxpayers' money is going into the pockets of outsourcing companies yeah. that don't provide a special and I think, service. I think that's that's what's so interesting, that people maybe have, the public, Joe Public, would have, may have more sympathy with a, a public sector organisation, um, whether it's government, whatever, it's uh, NHS. There's probably some more sympathy. When you find out that actually behind that is a private organisation who's making so much money on the back of it, then I think that actually makes, makes a difference. But looking at it from back to uh, the law for a moment, the doctors and nurses are supporting the workers there. Um, are you finding the same in the legal sector? Are the, the lawyer members, the solicitors, the advisors, whoever it might be, are they as supportive of the cleaners, the security staff, as, as you're finding the doctors were? So I have to say, um, LSWU are uh, an incredible part of the union. They're, they're, yeah. Their members are what they're doing together, and also how they're supporting other members in the union is really incredible and really good to see. And from offering kind of specialist advice to members for housing or for employment law to coming down to picket lines to showing that support, and it's been invaluable to mm. kind of other members. Well, I've seen the images from the MOJ, uh, for example, and and it's a very broad spread. Yeah. Uh, and, and and lots of social media traction as well, for, like I say, across the board. But the, the, it has been more difficult getting support of um, civil servants working within the Ministry of Justice. Um, they haven't been as sympathetic t as in the hospital, and maybe that's because there's more of a detached relationship to the cleaning mm. um, and security. Um, who knows? Well, who, who knows? But I'm, I'm sure there's a lot that you're going to find out in the, in the coming months and years uh, about how those relationships do coexist. Um, and, and it's maybe from what you've been saying, it's easy to say, see what the benefits uh, would be to those lower paid staff, certainly to paralegals, as you've already said, but what would the benefits be to those people who are more, uh, let's say, mature in their careers? Um, what support are you able to offer them? Uh, or is it more a case of just joining that unified group and being part of that one voice? There's that, um, the showing of solidarity with fellow workers. Um, but also we found that more senior people have joined the union and they've found themselves in disciplinaries. Um, there was one disciplinary which um, our, our, um, our case workers represented someone. I think it lasted three days, two or three yeah. days. Of really disciplinary? Yeah. Yes, yeah, wow. really long and it was kind You're of... You're very thorough yeah, in the legal sector. <coughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> there was talk about how that our caseworkers weren't used to sort of coming to a nice posh office with coffee and tea and that sort of thing and then sort of like but then during that Is that why it took three days? So that you know we represent people when they're going through disciplinary disciplinaries um, and having difficulties in the workplace um, so there's that and then um, we're also talking about 
um, our national campaigns. And that's something that more senior people can be interested in as well. You may have seen from our webpage, we've got sort of a QC endorsing us. We've got uh, Michael Mansfield as well. So John Hendy QC, Michael Mansfield on there endorsing us. And then we've got lots of support from across the sector who's saying, yeah, we really need this. And, you know, there's legal aid that we're fighting for. And we think this is a more robust approach. Um, associations have done an incredible job so far. I know the Law Society brought a judicial review that stopped really harsh cuts falling on criminal mm. solicitors. Uh, as well as that, we've seen the Criminal Bar Association um, go into negotiations with the Ministry of Justice and they've managed to elicit concessions yeah. on the basis that they were able to threaten a form of industrial action, no returns. They were able to do that because um, you know they're self-employed. So they're able to blow out their diaries um, and then work collectively together. We've yeah. been, shown, been shown there that you know if people come together, then we can can have these wins. Um, now we're thinking about employees in workplaces. It's not so simple. Um, like I say, we've got advice on this, specifically about criminal legal aid contracts and the legal aid agency. Um, what we're looking to do is build that strategy going forward about how other legal work, all legal workers can contribute to trying to make our sector just like make the justice system even better because at the moment I think everybody agrees the criminal justice sector um, is in kind of ruins mm. sort of just barely getting by mm. and then with civil as well there's lots of problems too um, so yeah, but you mentioned a few things there uh, and I'll, I'll try and unpick them now uh, one of them was Mike Mansfield who uh, who you mentioned and people might not be surprised has yes. an interest in this and um, I think he said previously that they, he tried to do something similar, I think, possibly even back in the 70s, and it didn't really get very far. Mm -hmm. um, he's supporting you now, um, but, but what makes it different this time around? Because you think back to the 70s, and that was a time of real sort of progress in terms of workers' rights and uh, activism. Um, I, I would assume, possibly wrongly, as I, as I keep talking, but uh, the, the, that's shifted on and people are less inclined now. But is that your experience? I think that the fact that we're anchored in workplaces already means that we're not going away anytime soon. Um, the fact that we're organised in workplaces and we have that aim of improving working conditions mm. means that the union's not going to dissipate um, and it's just about what energy we can bring to the wider goals. And that's where we just need people joining us with that shared vision of trying to improve the justice system. Um, so I don't think we're going away anytime soon. <laughs> and you mentioned the Law Society as well, which I want to pick up on, because some people might be saying, well, the Law Society should be looking after my rights yeah. uh, as, a, as a particular as a solicitor, mm. as a trainee. Um, and there are other organisations out there, mm. uh, the Bar Association, Silex, of course. Yeah. Uh, but where, where are they failing? What are they restricted from doing things that you can step into? Are you working collaboratively with them or are you working in some ways against them? No, we, we want to work with all the associations of the legal sector. There's obviously a lot of them. Um, yeah. and we've got something to learn from each one. There's like lots of subsectors from the legal sector. And so individual problems with each subsector, I'm not going to know about you know, somebody who works in immigration, what the, what the exact problems is they face. But I think I've heard that there's been a lot of problems there. Mm. So what we'd want to do is get them on side, the associations that constitute you know, the immigration, immigration sector, um, to advise us and then all join together and provide that unified front. Mm. Um, 
So we, I think we want to collaborate, most definitely. Um, we're already working with a number of associations already. Um, we have a really good relationship with Wailao, for instance. Um, Which is young who? Young lawyers. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> um, and the things that associations can't do um, is, you know, um, represent people in disciplinaries. That's a big one. So in workplaces, you probably best talk about this, but you know, you can either be represented by a co-worker or a union. There's not yeah. much else. Um, and so it's really important. Good employment law knowledge. <laughs> Thank well you. Done. Cheers. I'm learning as I'm going along, having co-founded this union. It's great. Um, and we also think that the industrial action that Legal Sector Workers United can bring to the table is a whole new factor that hasn't really been explored yet, other than the Criminal Bar Association mm. in their own way. Mm. Do you want to add to that? Um, what would you like me to add specifically? <laughs> Just in terms of, uh, I guess, what's being offered um, more, more generally, but also how you're working collaboratively with these organisations. So I think what's being offered is it's a trade union, not an association, which is where it's different. So as well, it deals with kind of employment and also collective issues and industrial disputes. Um, and in terms of relationships to associations, um, I can't speak specifically for LSWU because that's what LSWU does and as Zach said we're member led so mm. it's the members that are driving this and I neither work in the legal sector or I'm kind of specifically located within LSWU. All I can say is from the talks and being there knowing kind of the kinds of collaborations and the events that are being put on in collaboration with these other associations to try and come up with ideas and solutions mm. and get people talking and meeting and joining and coming together. And the, the member-led point uh, I find quite interesting because lawyers typically um, find it quite easy to listen to themselves. Uh, so in a meeting, is it dominated by the solicitors, by the barristers, and, uh, or do the other voices also get involved? And, and how easy is it for them to do that? I think uh, the meetings, I haven't seen it really being dominated by the more senior people. Um, mostly you'll find that the meetings are attended by the more junior amongst us um, and the more junior putting our energies into it. So we're really open to, to people of all different uh, levels of the hierarchy other than if you're about to fire someone, of course, to join us and sort of, sort of lend your voice to it as well. But at the moment, the direction that we're taking, for instance, you know, affiliating with United Voice of the World, you know, there's such an energetic, lively and like quite ferocious union, right? There was, we're quite young, the people who first set this up and that's what we were attracted to. We knew that there needed to be a big shift, there needed to be structural change within the legal sector and this was the union that really spoke to us and convinced us that, you know, these are the people to go with in order to make that happen. And you're seeing that with the architectural workers who've just joined, like you mentioned earlier, the cultural and design workers, they're all saying the same thing, which is UBW is the one to go for mm -hmm. in order to inject that energy into their own sort of sectors. So we've talked at the beginning about you being here as a trainee solicitor, I'll just remind people of this at Hodge Jones Island. Now, like, why would you even consider setting up a union alongside being a trainee, um, being, being a worker, being an employee in a place? How have the firm responded to this? Um, um, so the firm's been pretty open about it, I'm pretty um, open to it. So we've had um, events in the bar downstairs, um, we've had a couple of union events and it's been fine. Um, within the firm right now, 
I'm not too sure whether, how much I'm supposed to say about this, but you know, I, we were sending, the, there was workers here who are interested in getting better representation. And off the back of those emails, we've now set up um, an employee committee yeah. um, whereby we can sort of filter through our views and then we're represented. It's like it was elected just like a month ago, these, these representatives. And so that's sort of off the back of this union activism. Um, and then in lots of other workplaces as well, the same thing's happening. People are coming together under the LSWU sort of banner and then they're able to send uh, an email on behalf of this many people and say, you know, um, so it's been a positive response and we're hoping that across, you know, just law firms generally, um, especially like legal aid firms, rights firms, that there will be, um, you know, that they're going to voluntarily recognise the union. If, if workers want to try and get a recognition agreement, um, then we're expecting that they'll see the merits of a union being present. Um, mm -hmm. Because what's better than just having a clear line of communication, really? Because um, you just you don't want dissatisfied or unhappy workers um, at the end of the day. Does anybody really want to work in a toxic environment? Um, and um, just to be clear, the union applies to all law firms, all different workplaces in the sector. So even even the law society. Even law society, yes, yeah, law society. I'm sure we probably have a couple of members from the actual law society. Um, and uh, I think that you know, Magic Circle law firms, for instance. Um, pay isn't their issue, we all know that, but what about rare, very long working hours yeah. or um, just like unrealistic expectations and mental health support, things like that. That's just like universal, right? And if people don't feel like they're able to talk about that, then those issues are just going to get worse and worse. And that's where the union sort of steps in. Like one, so I went to the Junior Lawyers Division annual conference and there was an employment panel. And at this point, I wasn't really too are brave enough to sort of like say we need to all unionize but since then i've kind of every single event i just stand up and say join the union um but somebody somebody is saying they're talking about the workers rights and how it's actually a little bit deficient it's not quite good enough um and these were like quite senior solicitors talking about it and then somebody from the audience said you know i have a friend who worked at i think it was a magic circle law firm and you know she raised that she was sexually harassed and then instead of receiving support for that or anything like that, she was essentially forced out. Um, and you know, sometimes the you know, workers' interests and an employers' interests, they, they don't align. And that's where you just need that support. And that's where a union kind of gives you that support. You know, to go to them saying, this needs to change. I'm not gonna go. You need to resolve this yourself because um, it's not my fault whatsoever. Um, so you know, there's lots of reasons to join the union. And for the both of you, like, where did this passion come from? Um, is it some? Is it come from your family? Is it come from your upbringing? Is it come from sort of university activism? Where, how did it? How did you? How have you come here? So me personally, I, I don't know. I was I studied Spanish and Portuguese at university. It's an obvious uh, route to uh, unionism. But um, I think I was quite disappointed at university, seeing. I was quite disappointed and angry because it was all very grade driven. There wasn't kind of discussion or engagement or interest in those first years. It was hard to find. There was very much that client mentality, which I think has been encouraged by the tuition fees and kind of the changing cultures at university. But in um, my third year, I went away to Mexico and Brazil, and there, there a lot of political turmoil but actually a, a really strong reaction to it and people coming together in really creative ways 
and seeing that and I and also speaking to people it, it was kind of something click that you're best place to make change in in the place in your environment and I think coming back here I was a bit desperate going back into the university environment but I heard about this union and I too I'm guilty I thought someone said they're looking for translators in a, a trade union I was like what's a trade union like it's mm. like some kind of rubbish insurance scheme that don't do anything and then I went there and I got kind of some really basic caseworker training and I started going along to representations and I started getting involved with the LSE campaign, which was the first um, university to bring cleaners back in house on the back of a 10 month campaign and seven days of strike action, Gosh. just dropping that in there. And the, and the, ben, the work benefits now are yeah. incredible, like 42 days. Yeah, 41 days mm -hmm. annual leave, up to six months full sick pay, six months half. Um, I hope a lot of law firms are listening to this. <laughs> but that was because that, I mean, you know, I got involved in that and I think two things um, engaged me. One, I feel incredibly lucky being in UVW because I think it's very rare to be around so many inspiring and courageous people. Like the people you will meet who are organising in their workplaces are just... They're, they're, they're role models, they're incredible. And the people at the LSE, I mean... It, the, the the power they had to make change and make change not because they were thinking of themselves but they were thinking about the colleagues and the people that were going to come afterwards and what actually was needed within that university and they did it and they did it together so I think on the one hand that was inspiring and I think on the other hand I started going along to these representations just as volunteer translation and seeing like in the cleaning sector it was, it's abhorrent, it's horrific. You can't understand sitting across the table. There's cases, somebody was dismissed because uh, when you like clean up and they, they leave out fruit and food and conferences, instead of throwing that in the bin, they took home like three pieces of fruit, less than one pound. And they were summarily dismissed with that. And we've got another member who was dismissed for slipping over at work and they said he falsified company records because they said he faked wow. the fall, even though he lost money because he didn't have yeah. sick pay. And he was summarily dismissed after working there for nine years at Christmas. Like the kind of, the abuse that people receive. And it, it mm. was, it's so infuriating. I don't think I ever felt real anger before working at UVW. And I think kind of that mix between the kind of anger and the need to actually try and form part of some kind of solution which I really believe that UVW is and the kind of inspiration and you know inspiration of people like LSWU the kind of people who have come through that the people at St Mary's are incredible if anyone can go to the picket lines I'd recommend it because it's just it's, I've never seen anything like it before um, so yeah, I guess that's me. Yeah, that's like a tough act to follow now. I know, uh, blimey. From your oh, position of uh, uh, privilege as a trainee solicitor. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Well, I was a paralegal before this, um, and I was a paralegal for a couple of years. And before that, I was a legal clerk in the housing team. And I was representing very vulnerable people, and we were arguing that they should be housed. Um, uh, and we were arguing with local authorities that they fit this set criteria. Um, and therefore, you know, they shouldn't be homeless anymore. Uh, I, f I, I turned over a lot of these cases in my role as a, uh, a paralegal with my own caseload. And I just found that just more and more coming in, um, the decisions that were getting made were being more and more 
absurd, just getting more absurd. And there had to be more of a structural change rather than business as usual. Um, if I really do care about these things like just, just rights and all that sort of thing, then I can't just do my day job. You kind of have to go a little bit further than that. So I'm quite interested in anything really that brings about structural change because you kind of need to step into the political realm um, in order to resolve uh, all this awfulness. And so, yeah, that's one of the reasons that really motivated me. I just think you have to go further than just turning over cases that are, oh, makes me feel good on this occasion. Well, what more can I do in order to make sure this doesn't happen again? And it's the same with workers, especially like, so this insourcing of um, cleaners and security guards, um, that's a really important aspect of LSWU. I'm keen to make it a very important aspect, and that's why we've joined UBW because there, you know, there are some people who don't need the support as, as much as others um, who already have those working conditions in place where they're, they're a bit happier. Um, and but you need to look within your own workplaces. You need to check whether your cleaners are outsourced. If they are outsourced, ask them how much you're being paid. Um, ask them, you know, what's the, can they what's their sick leave like. Um, and if it is really bad, then tell them to join this union as well. Um, it's about joining solidarity across all workers. Um, and then that's where we're really going to elicit those gains. That's where we're going to get those wins um, by building that critical mass and then, and then taking that forward and putting forward our demands uh, in a forceful way. And I think we can get that through UBW. So to wrap up, um, in a non-partisan political <laughs> broadcast, uh, uh, what do people need to do to join up? What, what would you encourage them to do? And um, presumably they're also thinking, particularly those who are lower paid, how much is this going to cost me? Well, we have means-tested subs. Yeah, so it's six to ten pounds a month, depending on how much you're on. Um, so if you're on below seven hundred pounds a month, then it's six. If you're between seven hundred and one thousand, then it's eight. And if you're above one thousand, then it's ten. Um, so yeah, basically like two pints of beer. Yeah, a that's month. really cheap for a union <laughs> membership. Yes, and um, you can join up online. Um, and yeah, there was one more thing I wanted to say though. It was interesting listening to Zach right now talking about the housing, because we've also got charity sector jo- uh, workers that have joined us recently. And something one of them was talking about is how austerity has really pushed this massive unmanageable burden on charities mm. which are kind of serving as a plaster to tap up a, a massive structural problem and not managing and that is you know really reflective all of us are seeing I don't think three years ago I ever saw somebody mm. homeless asking for money on the tube and now you see it all the time yeah. you know having to deal with people coming asking about housing ourselves and trying to direct them mm. at kind of charities or refer them to people but them not having capacity to deal with it and coming back to what you said at the beginning about more people unionising, 2016 was like an all-time low for union figures and we're only slowly seeing it rising. But I think maybe part of that rising, you're looking at climate, there's always been, or through my lifetime, it's not so bad, oh, you know, moan about it but you get by. But I think everything is reaching kind of breaking point and realising that actually you as an individual can't do it. And I think this, going back to the member-led, you know, I think a union can't be something else rather than member-led. Obviously, there's always going to be kind of stronger, different personalities. You're going to have to find ways to structure and function. But the point is, is that in campaigns, in organising, the only people that can make change and affect change in the workplace are the people who are carrying out that work. So 
So they've got to be the people who decide what needs to be changed and they've got to be the people who join together and push that change with the support of the rest of the union. And sorry, I'm not very good at concluding points. You've concluded it perfectly. I would yeah. say that that's, that's absolutely fun. You're right. And it's so good to see that this union has happened between the legal sector and United Voices of the World. And uh, all the best of luck, first of all, with the training contract, oh, Zach, and, uh, and second, uh, with Legal Sector Workers United. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. The Hearing. And this is the last podcast of this year, and we want to wish you all the best for the festive season. And don't forget, it's a time for giving as well as receiving. So go online, uh, leave us a review, uh, please like us, share us, spread the word of The Hearing podcast. And we'll see you in the new year. The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. To find out more, go to tr.com forward slash the hearing or subscribe via iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.